The great outdoors is a place of enjoyment, peace, and solitude. But at times, the outdoors experience goes dark. Increasingly, outdoors lovers are encountering criminal elements, psychos, dangerous wildlife, and strange weather occurrences. Our goal is to raise awareness by equipping you with cutting-edge information and to shine light into the dark outdoors. Welcome to the Dark Outdoors. This is Chester Moore. Uh, last season, me and my good friend Jeff Stewart covered the horse killing, something I've been writing about for about a year and a half before that. And Jeff and I really took a deep dive on the podcast. You can go back and listen in the archive section. But over the last week, I've been getting inundated, and I do mean inundated, with reports of cattle mutilations in Texas. And so first, let's welcome Jeff Stewart on the program. How you doing, Jeff? Thanks, brother. Doing great, man. Thanks. Well, I'll tell you what. We have another strange situation here in the Lone Star State. Of course, this cattle mutilation thing goes far beyond that. But uh, just to get us rolling, I am going to read the statement by the Madison County Sheriff's Office of Texas. And I'm going to give an abbreviated version. But it says, ranchers advised that a six-year-old Longhorn Cross cow had been found lying on her side, deceased and mutilated on their ranch. A straight, clean cut with apparent precision had been made to remove the hide around the cow's mouth on one side, leaving the meat under the removed hide untouched. The tongue was also completely removed from the body with no blood spill. It was noted there were no signs of struggle and the grass around the cow was undisturbed. No footprints or tire tracks were noted in the area. Ranchers also reported that no predators or birds would scavenge the remains of the cow, leaving it to decay untouched for several weeks. While looking into the Longhorn Cross's death, five other similar occurrences involving four adult cows and one yearling were reported along the area of OSR running into Brazos County as well as Robertson County. Each incident occurred in different locations, pastures, and herds. The other cows were found in the same condition, lying on one side with the exposed side of their face cut along the jawline and the tongue once again completely removed. On two of the five cows, a circular cut was made, removing the anus and the external genitalia. The circular cut was made with the same precision as the cuts noted around jawlines of each cow. Just like the first, there were no signs of struggle or disturbance in the grass, no blood spill, and no noticeable tracks. No predators or birds would scavenge the remains for several weeks after death. The cause of death of all six cows remains unknown. And then it ties that into reports that have happened around the nation. So, Jeff, I wanted to read that and go directly from the report. One thing that I don't like is when you go on a podcast and People read one line and immediately start interjecting opinion. I thought it was very important, Jeff, to start off with what the facts that we know are. Yeah, the the facts are, are key in, in anything like this. If you want to look at it with, you know, without the, uh, oh gosh, what, what was that? The, the hysterics, you know, uh, everybody wants to jump to, you know, this, that the other but the facts don't lie 
Yeah, and that's the thing about this to me is the very mysterious part of this is the facts are incredibly mysterious. And I want to kind of, you and I kind of break down some of the things in that statement. So number one, you had no blood at the site and you had a tongue completely removed. Do you see a way that a person or a predator, Jeff, and your expertise is someone who has, like me, skinned hundreds of animals, harvested hundreds of animals. Do you see any way that that could be pulled off with technology that we normally would have? There's no way a predator yeah. could have killed that, could have killed it without leaving obvious signs of uh, an attack. The ground would have been disturbed. You know, you're talking about a grown uh, cow here. You're talking about... You know, an animal probably in excess of six, eight hundred pounds minimum. Um, there's no way the ground wasn't going to be disturbed from an attack. Um, there was no way there wasn't going to be copious amounts of blood because a predator attacks and they kill by blood loss. But they yeah, bite and- them, they, they get them down, you know, they bleed to death, things like that. So you can you can throw predator out the window immediately. Um, yeah, and that's, a human that, I'll say that for sure, you know, because let's look at where we're at in Texas. There are no gray wolves there. Uh, Mount Lion possibility. Uh, I doubt a pack of coyotes is going to take down six or five or six healthy um, or dogs, five or six healthy cattle. And if they did, there would be neck wounds, wounds everywhere. So I definitely agree with you that we could take the human predation, I mean, the um, the animal predation part out of this. And, you know, it would have been really easy, Jeff, for a sheriff's department to look at this if there were any signs of this and this would be right washed under the rug. Oh, it was coyotes. It was domestic dog pack. So the fact that they even put this out there knowing this was going to be a controversial thing, show they are, they are mystified by what happened. Right. And, you know, you bring the human element in, well, what is somebody carrying out into a pasture to kill a cow? I mean, you're going to walk out there and you're going to shoot it because most cows aren't going to let you just walk right up to them. They're not like horses that, you know, come. Some cows are, are feed friendly, so you rattle a feed sack and they will come. But if if they used something like we've seen in the horse killings where, where there's specific wounds on yes. these animals. It says, okay, this is what happened, you know, between arrows and, and uh, uh, knife stabbing like wounds, things like that. Yep. There, there's, there's definite wounds. These animals and all that you read about it, there were no visible signs of an attack of any kind. So there were no bullet holes. Uh, that were noticeable. I mean, I'm sure they checked the carcass really well. I mean, they didn't just walk up and say, oh, wow, it's dead. Um, so they checked it, and they didn't find bullet wounds. So what killed this animal? And then somebody killed it. It laid there. And they took the time to take out a, a bladed weapon, a knife, and remove its genitalia, for one, which is weird. And then they remove the tongue, you know, and I could even say, well, knowing what I know about carcasses, 
as a carcass lays there, the sun dries the exposed skin and certain areas uh, dry up, like around the mouth, the lips recede as the moisture, things like that. But when the tongue's missing, you gotta, you're like, okay, there's no, there's nothing in nature that is going to cleanly remove a tongue. Yeah, and that's that's a really puzzling part about this is, and it mentioned the anus removal like it was done in a circle, like it was done with like incredible yeah. precision, and uh, not like some guy just took a you know a butt knife and started carving it out. You know, it was like it was removed and it was clean. It mentioned that the skin, that the meat below the skin, on the mouth where part of this was removed was completely untouched. You know, and uh, so it's just really really mystifying and of course we got to get the elephant out of the room first uh because we're not going to dwell on this part of the topic in this particular broadcast but everyone immediately will go to the what we're now calling the uap unidentified aerial phenomenon or ufo phenomenon because it's been so tied into this going back into the 1970s and i think you know seeing that the government has um released files and all this stuff saying that there are definitely, according to at least them, if we can believe them, craft that are off-world or whatever that is. Um, we don't know. We can't prove any tie-in of this, and we don't know that. But I wanted to establish that as far as what Chester Moore and Jeff Stewart know about taking down a large animal, that it's definitely not a predator. And if it were a human, if it's a human doing this, they're using some kind of highly precision device or weapon. They probably, you know, man, I hate to, to do a lot of speculation without the facts, but I know in Oregon that they were speculating, uh, there were a lot of uh, cattle killings uh, just last year in Oregon. Yeah, Matter of fact, back in 20, yeah, it started back in 2019 and then they went all the way into last well, year. Yeah, yeah, that there's and they're usually what the fun thing funny thing is is that they're usually in like the five to seven cattle. It's never 10 or 12, it's never one, it's never yeah. that. It's five, six and seven. You know, mm -hmm. never usually not more than seven, not less than five. Uh, these mm -hmm. cattle that are killed, their genitalia is always removed in in uh some of the, the five or six cattle. And they're um, speculating that a uh, tranquilizer dart gun mm -hmm. is being used to tranquilize these animals and then actually use uh, needle and, and tube basically to drain their blood and mm -hmm. then remove the organs. Therefore, there's no... Uh, sign of Struggle. blood law now yeah. i do not know I, I don't know any any truth to this all i know is during my research on this i run across yeah. this and this is a speculation yeah that's a pretty high-tech operation there if you're doing that with uh you know uh tranquilizer guns because one you have to get a hold of a tranquilizer gun and they're not cheap Two, you have to get a hold of the uh, uh, tranquilizing agent, which you generally have to um, 
it, it's recorded. I mean, you don't yeah, just go I down actually, to the ag and supply. I actually have some experience in this with a friend of mine who has an exotic ranch out in central Texas, and I've actually helped him dart some exotic goats and sheep with a dart gun. And you and uh, about each shot off of that is about 60 bucks per shot. Uh, yeah. And they have to get it prescribed. And um, of course, in that scenario, he's trying to guess the weight of the animal so you don't overdose it. In this situation, if that were the means, I don't think overdosing, I think that would be the point. You use this to overdose, kill, incapacitate, or whatever, how that works. But that's interesting you say that. See, I have actually sent a request in um, last week as soon as I heard this to the Madison County Sheriff's Department uh, for a statement or an interview. And I, and I haven't got a word back, but I don't feel bad. ABC reported the exact same thing. So uh, they're not wanting to talk a lot about this. But let's, let's kind of camp here for a second, Jeff, on this. Uh, you, it's really interesting you mentioned that there, and you're right. It seems like each scenario that we hear of, it's not 50. It's not 100. It's not 20. It's a, it's a handful in a certain area. Then it maybe moves to another area, which... And, and the fact that there are sexual organs and a tongue removed um, is, is really interesting. Now, when I was um, a teenager, uh, my dad mentioned that a local landowner who I know uh, had, I don't remember the number, but it was one or two cattle that he found dead here in Orange County, Texas, and they had um genitalia removed i remember that part and there might have been heart removed i don't know but for sure genitalia removed and they linked it to a cult because the area that they were this particular property was in was a known even by law enforcement reports where there had been animal sacrifice and things like that so there's a lot of potential ways to link this and so we're, we're gonna the only thing we can do here is speculate and if you look at some of the old egyptian rituals and things tongues and sexual organs were parts of things um but it's really interesting when you look at the idea let's go with someone darting this jeff um how much blood do you think is in a full-grown steer oh gosh i mean we're talking what my my mind fails me on the exact number, but I mean, you got to think about this. You take a human being, we got what four quarts of blood in us at 150, 200 pounds, yeah. and you take a, a thousand, 800 to a thousand pound grown uh, cow, a steer, bull, anything like that. So we're we're talking, you know, probably a couple of gal gallons at least. That's that's a lot. And not to have any spilled on the ground or evidence is something else for someone. If they were using some kind of precision stuff, we're really we're really um, almost like surgically skilled at doing something like this. And the, the question that I have, and this goes back to the horse killings, Jeff, you know, the first ones that I called you about were the ones where the meat was harvested. And then we found the ones where they were shot and left to lay in a pattern, certain pattern. Uh, there are literally, in the state of Texas, millions of cattle around easy-to-access places. You can buy your own cattle. Why would someone risk going into someone's pasture 
in Texas in doing this? That's that's just a question I can't shake. And look at another aspect of it. That's a perfect point. But another aspect, you can walk into any uh, uh, processing facility, and they're all over East Texas. They're all over the country. Anywhere there's cattle, there is a meat processing facility. And you can almost get those organs for free. Yeah, if they charge right. you anything, it is a bare minimum. But you can go in and get um, the, the bull genitalia or whatever. You can probably walk in and say, hey, can I have that? Or, hey, can I have that? You know, and they're like, you know, bare minimum of a charge. Um, the tongue, yeah, you can go into your local grocery store and they have tongue on the shelf at at, at Local, I don't want to mention names, not plugging yeah. for any grocery store, but any any major chain. I mean, I know the big yeah. department store that's right down the road from my house here has tongue wrapped in, in, in plastic, you know, uh, vacuum packed right there. You know, you can buy a tongue for, for 12 bucks or something like that. So, yeah, why why go to all the trouble if you're – just wanting those organs for some reason. Why well, go to the trouble of literally in the state of Texas, you can be shot, legally shot and killed if you are in my pasture killing my cattle, mm -hmm. at, especially at night. At night, I mean, you literally can't, and, and the farmer's not going to jail. Nobody's, you know, the police are going to come out and say, wow, you got him. You know, I mean, why risk that? To yeah, get... I mean, yeah, just a minimal thing where you could do this otherwise. It's not like someone who has like the serial horse killer that's going around or multiple ones that are shooting and leaving horse slay. That's as simple as driving up at night, you know, putting a crosshair on something and squeezing the trigger and getting out of there. This is a surgical type operation. And what's interesting, you mentioned the five or six, the Madison County Sheriff's Office mentioned that these were all in different locations within three counties along the same main, main corridor. So it was hitting different locations. You know, it wasn't like we're going to go back to the same pasture or the same area. They were going into different areas and happening this, which makes it even more um, interesting that it's, that it's like kind of picking and choosing. But if you go back, I looked at uh, the FBI files um, and the FBI has, um, has put out some files about cattle mutilations in the 1970s. And they mentioned that they did not respond to these requests because they were not on government land at the time, but they were in 11 different states. And the FBI mentions that they were getting a lot of requests for help. We need your expertise on this particular matter. And um, I thought that was really interesting just to look at. Now, if you're thinking about these carcasses here, and we're going to go more into theories and things in a minute, um, it mentioned that the vultures and the predators and things didn't touch it. I will say this. There is a point on a carcass. At some point, if it sits long enough and misses the eyeballs of vultures and coyotes and the nose of coyotes early on, there is a point where vultures and stuff don't screw with the carcass. Don't you agree, Jeff? From... My experience, if they go in like just within a few days of, of the animal dying and they will strip it. And if they can strip it down to nothing, yep. then they do. But after yep. a certain point, 
even the even the buzzards and the coyotes and the possums and things like that you go out there and there's a big greasy carcass laying there and nothing touching it other yeah. other than, than than maggots and and insects you yeah. get a lot of, there there does come that point where the insects become the 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 scavengers rather yeah. than the uh flesh and blood uh animals like the coyote and the and the crows and the buzzards yeah i want to get that out there because i i've noticed i've seen that myself and that tends to be in all these reports and that isn't the most interesting part to me uh, another thing i wanted to say is they mentioned that there were no tracks uh you and i both know jeff that um if the ground is hard um you know and the incident happened days earlier finding some kind of tracks is nearly impossible sometimes well you're not going to find a soft-footed track like that you know especially no. coyotes things like that yeah. the one thing that struck me was the fact that if a, a predators would have been after this this uh thousand pound animal its hooves yeah. would have done more damage now you're not you like i said you're probably not going to find you're, you're definitely not going to find uh, buzzard tracks and things like that if the ground is hard or if it's right. in a grassy location. Yeah. The coyotes, you're talking about a coyote, you're talking about it, the most healthy of coyotes. You know, you're talking 30 pounds around here for a coyote on a soft padded foot, unless they're in uh, a, a soft sandy soil or muddy soil they're probably not going to leave a track of any kind yep well that's kind of one of the cliches that you hear on all these reports is the fact that uh well the predators didn't mess with it or we didn't find tracks and i do believe that there are natural explanations potentially for some of that i've actually seen um cattle dead that were shot uh, on the river before and uh they were just missed by vultures uh, there were vultures on some half mile away because there were cattle shot down here in our rivers about, I don't know, about 12 years ago. Uh, just left away. Um, and some of them were hit by vultures and wiped out and some of them kind of dried out in the sun. So I just wanted to put that out there because in, you and I both know almost no one else is going to touch this aspect of it. It's all going to immediately go into the you know the UAP phenomenon stuff. And I want to get that out there. But Jeff, this whole well, thing. Go ahead. I was just going to say one thing that that people always miss too is the fact that these people that investigate this stuff are not invest people that are trained in investigating this type of situation. Yep. Uh, somebody like me, like you, we could go in and we would know what to look for as far as uh, signs of predators, signs of anything like that. We we could look at you know. 40 feet away where there is a soft patch of land. We would go and look at that to see if there were uh, multiple predator tracks yep. in a close proximity. Uh, we would look at a lot of different things if there's scat on the ground in a close proximity to that carcass, which law enforcement officers are not coming in there looking for that. They're no. not going to investigate whether a coyote killed Mr. Johnson's cow. You know, if they come in there and they don't see signs of a human being maliciously killing the cow, yeah. then they're not looking for anything else. And 
when they come in looking for that sign of something killing it, I've learned through a lot of uh, interaction with, with local law enforcement and stuff, They th their priority really isn't there. Oh, a cow got killed. So yeah. I hate it for Mr. Johnson, but I'm really not, you know, we've got people selling drugs over here. We've got rapists. We've got murders and everything. Mr. Johnson's cow is on the back burner. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're definitely right on that. I'll never forget going to uh, a guy called me because his neighbor had a, they would catch feral hogs and put them in a pen and fatten them up and then, you know, butcher them later on when they, after they ate a bunch of corn for a month or so. And um, he, and one of them got killed. And I got there and a sheriff's department official had uh, put a crime scene tape around this area where there were tracks. He said, we found conclusive mountain lion tracks in the, in the, in the dirt over here. And I was intrigued by that. So I walked over and I'm like, where are the mountain lion tracks? He goes right there. And uh, they were German shepherd tracks. Yeah. Because there was a German shepherd following us around. That was like the dog of the farm. Uh, and they were absolutely and the dog tracks. And I'm like, those were not mountain lion tracks. So once again, someone not trained to look for that is just going to say, oh, that must be a cat track case solved. Here we go. I'm out of here. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, we had a case here a few years back where my being really close with local law enforcement, they actually called me to come out where a guy's uh, – cow had been killed and they claimed that it had been killed by the neighbor's dog. Uh -huh. And I got out there and I'm looking at this cow and I'm like, okay, there's no visible signs of it being bitten. And I'm like, okay, this guy neighbor over here has a 50 pound lab and the neighbor has an 800 pound cow. Yeah, I've, I'm like, guys, I've never in my life seen where a 40-pound, 50-pound max dog killed, took down a, a an 800-pound cow. It's just that this didn't happen this way. Yeah. And as we got to looking further at the cow, we found a bullet hole in the cow. Mm-hmm. And it's apparently someone had shot this cow days before with a small caliber rifle, 22, 22 Magnum or something. And the cow eventually died because they shot it in the gut and the cow, it took the cow a few days to die. Well, of course the cow's laying out there dead. And what does the farmer see? Sees the dog out there around the carcass and Oh, that dog killed my cow. And, you know, that's what it ended up being. But these guys that were law enforcement officers, none of them, I mean, they immediately, well, I mean, we're fixing to go confiscate the dog and euthanize the dog for killing the cow. And, you know, they, they just weren't trained to look at what someone with our type of eye is trained yeah. to look for. In increasing numbers, people across North America are going missing in the wild. Dark Outdoors is committed to shining light on this topic and raising awareness when public interest in these cases fades away. This week's Missing in the Wild is Tyler Beyer, B-E-Y-E-R. He's 30 years old, white, with green eyes, brown hair, and is 6 feet tall, weighing 175 pounds. He was last seen wearing green, 
Veronica snowshoes, a black helmet with orange mirrored lens goggles, and he has a goatee. He was last seen in the Loman, Idaho region on March the 12th, 2023, in the Lick Creek area off of Farm Road 558. He was riding an Arctic Cat Alpha 1 Mountain Cat, black with purple and lime green trim. If you have any information about the disappearance or the whereabouts of Tyler, please contact the Boise County Sheriff's Department, 208-392-4411. That's 208-392-4411. Missing in the Wild is brought to you by Texas Frightmare Weekend, the Southwest premier horror convention taking place May 26th to 28th, 2023, at the Irving Convention Center. Yours truly, Chester Moore, will be doing a dark outdoors seminar and have a booth there to talk about the podcast and other elements of dark outdoors. We appreciate our sponsor, Texas Frightmare Weekend. For more information, look them up on social media or visit TexasFrightmareWeekend.com. You know, and that goes back to the horse killings last year. You know, the first round was the ones in Pearland that we looked at where the horses were walked out of their pastures, fences cut, horses stabbed and then meat harvested and left in the area then we had what i believe is the horse serial killer of texas where the young girls horses in about a 200 mile span of a couple of different highway areas were targeted um and you know these different things but it goes back to um what kind of element i mean if there was meat harvest then obviously someone's eating the meat I mean, that is, we talked about that. You can go back and listen to the very first program we did on that on season one of the Dark Outdoors podcast where Jeff and I go way deep on the horse killings. But since then, uh, and I was speaking last year at the Falcon Monster Festival, um, I, t- I introduced the Dark Outdoors concept there last year, and I had someone say that I should look into some of the Norse cults because there were a lot of Norse cults out there kind of entangled in various other criminal elements. And I started looking into some of this stuff. And then I found a number of uh, cults uh, from ancient past, which all that stuff seems to be returning that were involved in killing horses for rituals, even get ready for this, eating their meat in rituals Um and it made me look back over at the cattle side of this with this blood. Um, people involved in that level of darkness uh, are very good at covering their tracks. And they're also oftentimes very tied in with elite people who have financial means for things. So certainly I would not rule out some kind of cultic or ritualistic activity tied in with some of these cattle mutilations and certainly on the horse killing side of things. Yeah. You know, here's the thing about a lot of this cult stuff today. It has become far more mainstream. Yeah. To be, to claim, I mean, I, I, I I go to a lot of festivals and things and comic cons and everything. And, and like me, you speak at these events and things and you run into a lot of people. And I run into a lot of people that walk up, 
that you have a conversation with and you notice that they have a uh, an amulet around their neck, some sort of uh, uh, Thor's hammer or something. And of course, being a big comic book fan, um, I'm like, ah, oh, Thor's hammer, you know, Mjolnir, you know, whatever. And then you get into this conversation where this person actually is a practitioner of worshiping North uh, Norse mythology um, Odin and, and Thor and all of this stuff. And, and this person is like actually worshiping those old mytho mythological gods. Yep. And you meet, you know, in the course of meeting these thousands of people that you meet doing this, you find people that worship Baphomet and yep. people that worship uh, just all sorts of things. And you run into Satanists and you run into just, and you go, my goodness, you know, back in the eighties growing up. Yeah. There were, were rumors of cults, but it was hush, hush rumor of a yep. cult. You would never have known who was a member of that cult because it was something that they kept in secret in private and did their little hidden away rituals and things. Now yep. these people are walking around in public with, the, with these trappings of um, cultism and they're free to do so. Of course. I mean, you know, I'm not getting on anybody's uh, constitutional rights here. You get these people that are openly worshiping these, these Norse gods and things. And with the internet, it's so easy to research it and find out what the practices and the rituals are for these people to go out and do these practices and these rituals. You know, that's interesting. And you mentioned the Internet aspect of that. Um, and uh, when I had uh, the, the, the very first episode of season two here, I had William Ramsey. William Ramsey investigates about the mysterious deaths in Austin. And he believes that this what we call the smiley face killer phenomenon was basically rose in the age of the internet because of trading of information on the dark web and things. Do you think it's possible that there are people who have some tech and ability that have seen the cattle mutilation phenomenon in the past and said, I can emulate that. I can make that happen and I'll be famous. Even if they don't know I did it, my acts will be famous. Um, my crimes will be famous. I can cause a stir. Do you think there's like some, uh, you know, back engineering of some of these reports or people that tech is caught up and some of the people go, I can produce this? Very much so. Yeah. Uh, just in the past few uh, days of these, you know, whenever I got sent the information about these recent cattle killings, you know, and you start digging into it, being a, a investigative journalist, outdoor journalist, like we both are, you, know, you yep. start digging into this and well, you just type in cattle mutilations, cattle killings. Yep. And all of a sudden you've got ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, Fox news. Yep. You've got every major news organization has a story about these cattle killings in Texas. Every single one, yep. New York times, um, all of them have, stories about this so if somebody did this they're sitting back and they're going wow look at me 
Look what exactly. I did. Look, they're writing about me. They're writing about me. And I've got them all fooled. I've got them all stumped. They don't, yep. they don't have a clue it's me. And the bad thing about this being a former law enforcement officer, I'm telling you, this is some behavior that somebody's going to eventually, if they are doing this, someone is going to take the next step. Yep. Because yep. It'll, at some point in time, they probably got away killing somebody's dogs or their own whatever. Then they stepped up to cats or whatever, and then they moved on now to uh, cattle. And eventually the cattle aren't going to uh, excite them anymore. And they are going to move on to the next logical step, which is the possibility of human beings. Pray, prepare, and pack heat. It's time for some dark outdoors defense strategies and techniques. And, and if you're going into a uh, forest, national forest, anywhere where they don't allow you to carry a weapon, carry something. Yep. Carry, carry like if you can't carry a firearm, carry a bear spray, pepper spray. I mean, you may not have bears, but you may have meth heads. And nothing works yeah. better on a meth head than a can of bear spray. We mentioned that in the horse killings situation last year where even the Liberty um, Sheriff's Department, where uh, what I believe the horse serial killer stuff in Texas began and two shootings there, mentioned that they're worried someone's preparing for humans. So there's a lot of – we wanted to do, take this second episode of Season 2 of Dark Outdoors, Jeff and I, because we've both been inundated with this, to come together – put our thoughts together. None of this has been rehearsed um, and come together and say, here are some things because every other podcast you're going to hear about. This is mainly going to talk about the UFO phenomenon part. That's not my stick here. If that is part of it, then it is what it is. I don't know how we'll prove that, but there are other options out there. And honestly, Jeff, the other options to me seem a little more frightening. There, the whole thing seems a little bit frightening for the simple fact, even if it's just, as some people suggest, kids running around out there killing some cattle. Well, we both grew up in East Texas, and there's really not a whole lot of kids that would go out there on Friday night and kill a cow and mutilate it. For fun. If they did, they'd just shoot it with a 22 mag and leave it. They wouldn't be out mutilating, taking genitalia, and certainly would not yeah. have the wherewithal with this precision type of thing that's baffled even the sheriff's department. Because, you know, I think I said this earlier, but look, if this wasn't something that concerned the Madison County Sheriff's Department, their life would be a whole lot easier to say, oh, die to natural causes, move on. You know, uh, predators, vultures got it. But there's definitely a concern there. And I can't help but think that as we continue these investigations, Jeff, that somewhere some of this horse stuff and some of this cattle stuff are going to meet up and perhaps even some of the missing people and what I'm calling the Arklatex Triangle, this whole area yeah. of things going on. There may be some kind of convergence where there's some links here, and uh, we're going to stay on the case until we, uh, you know, keep shining the light out there in the outdoors and make people aware, keep people safe, and um, you know, make people understand that there are multiple possible scenarios to look at. 
I tell you, it's scary to think because there was a television show some years back where a serial killer used the internet to bring in his followers, his minions. And then they started committing crimes, serial killings on on his behalf, so to speak, on his behest. And it's scary to think because people emulate what they see. Yep. And that, that show, great show, it could have given somebody an idea and you could have people like you said, um, communicating through the dark web. Yep. And you know, these cattle mutilations could be, you know, a group of people that are doing it, um, just for the shock value of doing it. You know, um, Wes Craven, of course, the late great director of The Hills Have Eyes, Nightmare on Elm Street, Scream. And Scream 4 um, had a, it was actually a really good social commentary. The, the killer ended up being a girl. And the reason she did this, she wanted her deeds to be famous. She wanted to be an internet star. Um, William Ramsey does believe with the, um, the smiley face killer phenomenon that there's definitely a rise of internet trading information. We mentioned the potential, you know, back engineering of reading these reports and now technology catching up where people thinking I can do this. And I can't help but think of a serial killer most people have never heard of, I mean, Edward Wayne Edwards, who I truly believe is the Zodiac killer. Um, he wrote a book during the middle of his Lover's Lane murder sprees and toured the country as a reformed criminal. And he talked in the book about how every crime he did was for recognition. And now with people can sit back and go, hey, I did this and look at all this out there and get instant gratification, Jeff. Not waiting for tomorrow's newspaper headline, but today's Twitter feed, Instagram feed to go wild with this stuff. So, you know, uh, you and I would have- is instantaneous. Yeah. Nowadays, the gratification is almost instantaneous because you mentioned you've got Twitter, you've got Facebook, you've got yeah. Instagram, you've got TikTok, you've got all uh, uh, oh, Snapchat. You, and and yeah. I mean, there's 30 more out there. Yeah. And news organizations, you don't have to wait for a police report and then it to be filed and a reporter gets a hold of it and reads it, and then he has to write a story. You could be, you know, a, a, a crime happens Monday, you get it, you read about it in Friday's paper. Nowadays, yep. it happens. You are reading about it the, I mean, the minute it happens. I mean, the minute it happens, literally, someone has a phone taking a picture, a video, tweeting, or posting something about this event. So these people are able to just get that gratification, and it's it's a drug. Uh, it is just as as uh, addictive to these people mm-hmm. as a drug is, as heroin, as cocaine, as crack, as any of this stuff. And so, where they used to have to wait four or five days to get their gratification, wow! And then they move on to the next one. Now they get that high and that high only lasts a few seconds because once their news story is over, we've already moved on to the next one. 
So then they've got to go, they've got to go, they've got to go. And so this social media and this information superhighway that we have is breeding a new species of thrill seeker that respects no life, that respects no boundary, and is out for that social media five seconds. We used to do the 15 minutes of fame. Now it's yeah. the five seconds of fame. Yeah. You're famous right. for about five seconds and then they've moved on. So you got to do something else. It's a strange place. It's um it's it's a it's a place where there's a lot of potential for the bad end of it. And we're trying to raise awareness to these crimes. So if anyone has any information on this. Make sure and contact the Madison County Sheriff's Department. Or if you've had experience with cattle mutilations on your property, shoot me a message at Chester at Chestermore.com. Maybe have you on the program and talk about your experience out there. Jeff, I can't thank you enough. We're running out of time here in our recording. Thank you so much for always going on the crazy dark outdoors trail with me. And you and I both know it's very important for everyone who loves the outdoors before they go out there to pray, prepare, and pack heat. If you would like to share your dark outdoor story, email chester at chestermore.com. If you would like a PDF file of my personal survival tips, put survival in the subject line. Read my wildlife writings and follow my Higher Calling Wildlife and Higher Calling Gulf Coast podcast at highercalling.net. Remember, never enter the wild without prayer and preparation.